And I'm Aqua Black. Today we got a lot of things to talk about. We have three main things on our agenda. The first is the new October launch. By the time you guys are listening to this, it would have already been launched, all the products. We're telling you the reasons why you should not buy some of the new products that will be launched in October. The second on our agenda is Ethereum. Ethereum 2.0 is coming out. We want to talk about NFTs, all the Ethereum DeFi application usage, and Ethereum in general. And our third topic is going to be Windows 11. You ready to get into this? Let us get into this. You want to start it off? First topic? Yeah. Yep. So first topic is October's brand new launch. Looks like October is going to be holding an event on the 18th at 10 a.m. So by the time a lot of you guys have listened to this podcast, the event would have already been live. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the rumors that we're speculating on will either be confirmed or will just sound like complete fantasy. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at this article. If you can pull it up. Mm -hmm. um, from The Verge that talk about all the new product launches that we're expected to see. Looks like we're going to be expecting to see a redesigned MacBook Pro. We're going to be expected to see a Pro Mac Mini. We're going to be expected to see new AirPods. And obviously the new Mac OS Monterey. I don't even know how to pronounce Monterey, that. Monterey. Mon Monterey, I think. Monterey. Monterey release. So two of these product well i'll say three of these products we use um i personally have a macbook pro mm -hmm. my friend here has a mac mini mm -hmm. and i use os monterey how did you pronounce it again monterey monterey i don't have to write that down monterey jack i use yeah i use os monterey on my imac so we have a little bit of experience with the OS. We have a little bit of experience with some of the hardware. Obviously, not the brand new iterations, but let's talk about some of the new things that are going to come out. So, according to this article, there's going to be a 14 and 16 inch screen MacBook Pro. They're getting rid of the the Touch Bar, which thank God <laughs> that's a feature that not a lot of people love. Oh my love. God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're actually speculating that the new MacBook Pros may include an SD card reader and HDMI as well as MagSafe ports, um, which will be familiar, obviously. And it's just going to be absolutely insane if some of those things will be included. Um, it's still unclear whether the new processors uh, will do any of the limitations of the M1 there, there's a new processor, apparently um, M1X or M M2, whatever the name Apple actually goes into, that's going to be expected to be on these MacBook Pros. The Mac Pro Mini. Now you have the Mac, you have the Mac Mini. You have the Mac, right? Mini. You just recently purchased that. Yeah. Um. So I guess we can talk. We can get into it. Let's 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 get into the uh, let's get into the MacBook Pro to begin with. So well, what do you think about this MacBook Pro? It's expected to launch. Well, uh, ironically, before we started this whole thing, I had looked in my usual morning just coffee thing um, and Engadget, uh, which I would pull up, but I can't right now. Uh, Engadget actually had a leak of not it being called M1X, but like I think M M2 M1 Pro and M1 Max or M2 Pro and M2 Max instead. 
and that would be that 16 core what uh you know he's viewing and i'm showing you guys right now that would be what um would be in each one so like the i think the 14 inch uh macbook pro would have the m2 pro i believe is what it was and the 32 uh 32 cores would have would be on the 16 and it would be it would be m1 m2 or m1 pro and m2 or m1 max instead of m1x um so that's what i saw on engadget in fact i could try to pull it up right now but i'm not going to <laughs> but that that's what i thought was interesting was the naming scheme of the whole thing if that's true it was it was a reputable leaker that you can maybe that. pull it up while 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 you know i'm talking yeah yeah i can try to pull it up but that's that's what i thought was pretty pretty interesting in terms of all of the the leaks that went around with it is this was just leaked this morning so it's on bloomberg yeah um there's also the uh the pro mac mini that ex that's expected to uh launch here in these this october release date and it's gonna feature the same processor found in the updated macbook pros and more ports than that are currently available than the in the uh, m1 powered mini which you have mm -hmm. so i wanted you to kind of talk about what your experience is um having it first off an m1 mac product right an m1 apple product uh, and then specifically the mac mini because the pro is coming out what's your experience having the uh, m1 mac mini um my experience with the m1 mac mini like i like it i like it a lot one thing i obviously hate is the lack of ports on it <laughs> it's like kind of how the industry is going towards is lack of ports just buy a dongle for everything um but i like it a lot like the experience on windows and mac like on mac i use final cut to edit even though i also have davinci resolve on there because that's what i'm also used to um a comparison would be for video editing because that's mainly what i use it for is for graphic and video editing and um like on DaVinci Resolve on every platform, Linux, Windows, and Mac, where you can just go through the timeline and scrub through the timeline and you, you hear your voice talking, uh, depending on how fast you move through the timeline and it's like automatically rendered. That happens on DaVinci Resolve, but it also happens very well on Final Cut on the M1. And so that's one of my like core things that I, I love. It, it just, it rips through like video super quickly. Um, it just, it plows through it all. And like, that's something, especially when you're shooting 4K like I am, when you can plow through high resolution anything and it just works really well. And I paid like 549 for this, it was on sale. Um, and you can get that kind of thing out of it. Like that's a, that's a, that's a deal for me. Save money and you get really good performance out of it. That's a deal for me. And then for those people who have like the, the laptops, the Air and the uh, MacBook Pro, I've heard like they get extreme battery life. like. A whole day like 18 19 hours of battery life of rigorous use out of it which is insane to imagine i think my friend kiyoshi has the m1 macbook air and he's like the battery life is amazing on it um, so like from my standpoint eight gigabytes of ram 256 gigabytes of storage basically the base model um with having uh you know i think it's i think it still has the eight cores in it too um that thing tears through everything you really are going to need even professionals, I've heard professionals on other podcasts that like, they're like, we just buy them in bulk. We buy like five of them and let just our editors use them and we just connect hard drives to it and we're set. So I gotta say that's a really good bang for the buck. So I couldn't imagine going from eight cores, 
to what they're saying on a laptop 16 core gpu and 32 cores and by the way i pulled up the engadget article and it's m1 pro and m1 max with the m1 pro being the entry level quote unquote being 16 core gpu and the higher end model would pack a 32 core gpu which is the m1 max so it's kind of a dumb naming scheme in my opinion but hopefully that's not true and it's just m1x and call it a day yeah, it's interesting that you uh, say that because it's rumored that it's going to have um, maybe even a new design, like a, a brand new design for the Mac Mini. But um, also, too, to touch back on the MacBook Pro, from what we're hearing, um, Dylan, which um, has been posted on the 9 to 5 Mac article, is this famous leaker. He's been um, saying that the MacBook Pro will actually have a brand new look with flat edges, reduced bezels, and expanded connections. Like we mentioned before, the SD card reader, MagSafe, and HDMI mm -hmm. port. It seems like they're bringing back all the features that Mac enthusiasts really, really loved. And, man, if, if this is true, any of it is true, it's going to be some big, big news. Mm -hmm. um, I guess we can go over and transition over to the AirPods 3. Yeah, I guess we could do that. Um, yeah, yeah, we got... Uh, the airpods 3 i mean there's not really much to say with that really because like i've noticed the way apple releases airpods i don't know about the pro but the normal airpods there's not really any major news for it it just kind of comes out you just check their website and it's there <laughs> so they don't really say much and it comes out um i think i heard on the verge cast um that uh the airpods 3 would end up being they're trying to target like holiday and they're trying to target like hey you're maybe you're trying to soup up your your life in college or in in at your new job or whatever it is in the new year so you're getting some airpods three or it, apparently the airpods are what's going to have that redesign and the airpods pro or airpod pro however you say it is the one that's just going to stay the same probably like updated internals and that's it um, but the AirPods original, they've been the same design for God knows how long. So I think that's the one they said is going to be the, it's going to be the drastic redesign. Yeah. Um, to add on to what you said, apparently AirPods 3 are going to have a similar to des design to the AirPods Pro, according to Dylan. Mm. And from what I hear, um, it's going to, it's going to look like the AirPods Pro, Pro but it's not going to have an ear tip. They mm. say it's just like the AirPods Pro, just without the ear tip. Hmm. What that means, I don't quite know. I'm hoping that this means that it's going to look very similar to the AirPods 2. Mm -hmm. The second generation AirPods that released um, without that whole in-ear intrusive tip, mm -hmm. that's going to be massive for me. I, honestly, I would really be interested in that product personally, and I wouldn't mind you know, handing over the money for a product like that. Um, you have the AirPods Pro. You mm -hmm. own the AirPods Pro. I yeah, wanted I to showed get it off. Um, yeah. Like I said, for me with the AirPods Pro, which uh, if you're watching video, you can see it. Um, with the AirPods Pro, I'm a person with freakishly small ears. <laughs> and so like most in-ear earbuds do not work for me. They just fall out after me just shaking my head. Um, so I typically started like resorting to these over-the-ear Sonys. Um, but then I was looking for like solid workout, you know, sweat resistant-ish like headphones or earbuds whatever you want to call them and so i went with the airpods they were on sale as usual i'm cheap but not too cheap i have to get them on sale 
and uh they don't fall out of my ears at all like obviously i don't know when they came out when did airpods pro come out i have no idea you can check for me um they don't fall out of my ears when i work out um i can lay down on like a bench press and still bench and they don't fall out of my ears i can be doing like rigorous motions with a pull-up bar and like muscle ups and stuff they don't fall out of my ear um that's like my core thing even though people say the noise canceling audio quality and all that stuff like yeah those things are great and all but my core thing is do they fall out of my ear how comfortable are they in my size of ears because i have to typically use the smallest ear tip that they come with um and these ones i didn't even have to switch the ear tip i just the one that came comes attached to them even though they come with three sets the, the regular size one is the one that I use and it's perfect. It doesn't hurt my ear. It doesn't give that weird fatigue when you put like those kind of earbuds in your ear. Um, so I think, I think those are, these are like Flossie Cardo would say, these are a major go. Like you should definitely pick these up. Um, especially now that they're starting to get cheaper. You can, I've been finding them for like 155 sometimes now because they're getting older. Still solid purchase. Yeah, and uh, I guess we can go on to the last thing that is expected to come out during this October launch. That is the new Mac OS uh, Monterey. Mm -hmm. Now, I've used the new Mac OS on my iMac. I've been using the beta version. I like it a lot. I don't see too much of a difference between Big Sur and new, the new Monterey. Mm -hmm. But I guess we can go over some of the uh, pros of it. Um, as you guys know, the new Mac OS has universal control that moves cursors between a Mac and iPad, it has dynamic tabs in Safari, which I kind of have mixed feelings about. I kind of like the, the new tab layout for mm -hmm. Big Sur. I'm not too much of a huge fan of the Monterey. It's um, move transit, like trying to move a tab between the two. I got it like it pulls it out of the alignment. I don't know how to describe it, but I'm not a huge fan of it. Sites and photos shared via messages go into your apps mail security features hide your ip address from advertisers new facetime features including grid view and spatial audio which are features that i don't use that much honestly mm -hmm. focus feature is something that was honestly just incredible the focus feature um fine tunes do not disturb options i haven't got the chance to mess with the focus feature too much but i just love anything with the new OS or software launches that focus on productivity. Hmm. This seems like a massive feature that does go into that route. So I think of it as a real big positive for the new OS. Password, tab, and system preferences, instant disk wiping. Again, those features I haven't used. Um, yeah, so a lot of these Mac OS previews, a lot of these features, I, I don't care too much about. But the reason why... A lot of people believe that it's going to be shown here in the October launch is because they think it's going to be pretty bizarre to to release a new fleet of devices and still use OS Big Sur, you know, especially when you consider the fact that Monterey was talked about in WWDC, what, like, like over summer or five months ago. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think about this new OS launch? You know, are you a fan of it? Do you have the beta version on your new Mac mini? Have you been using Big Sur? What do you think? So ironically, I had the beta version of it on this Mac Mini, and then uh, you know because you know me that uh, for whatever reason something happened, and that's why I wasn't able to use this Mac Mini for like four months <laughs> because I installed it, um, and then I had to take the Mac Mini to the Apple Store, and they had to like do everything start over again. So I'm not no longer on the beta at all since like the one first week 
<laughs> um, but when I did use it, I mean, I see all their feature lists and stuff like that, right? Um, and it's and I was just showing it all. Like I, I see the feature list, I see the share play for FaceTime where you can just share a link uh, or share your screen and watch TV shows with people or watch things together or you can even FaceTime someone that's using like Android and Windows and all those other platforms, Linux. Um, but as tech savvy as I am, I don't really use like 90% of new features that come out on anything. <laughs> I don't know why, um, but it's nice to have, you know, these things. Um, I agree with you with the Safari thing. Um, that was very annoying. I think they fixed it on iOS because they knew people were going to complain and people did. Um, but it looks like they didn't fix. I don't think they fixed it on Mac yet. I think you said, um, but that's probably going to be the big thing that people are going to hate so much because things move too much, you know, like you click on a tab and it just shifts everything over. And you're like, but where is the other tabs? What if I have 15 tabs open? Like sometimes we do. Where do I, how do I see all of my tabs at once? People will get confused. You know, normal people will get confused. And even us, we can get confused sometimes. Um, the design of it overall, like it's an Apple S design. It's, it's clean. Um, they are iOSifying the interface more and more, without all without giving you um, obviously a touchscreen. <laughs> Hopefully, there's a touchscreen in, in the Mac, but I doubt it. Um, but yeah, overall, I think it's pretty solid. I think people will enjoy it. Um, I don't know if it's gonna. It should feel like a major update, but it's a major update, Monterey. So hopefully, it comes out this event um, because if you're launching laptops, why would you use the old version? Like you said. Might as well say this is the launch. I almost forgot about Monterey until you mentioned it. So to recap, those are the things that are coming out. And uh, I kind of want to conclude the segment by talking about your just really quick one minute, your biggest gripes using these Apple products and reasons why people shouldn't buy them for this coming October launch. Like why shouldn't people get the new MacBook Pro? Why shouldn't people get the new Mac Mini? Why shouldn't people get the new, um, you know, AirPods 3 as as well as the new upgrade to the new OS? So I'll go off first. I'll say the reason why people shouldn't get the new AirPods 3 is because they don't have the new um, ear tips. So I don't know if your specific ear configuration would gel with the new AirPods 3 that's coming out, especially if you if they don't have that in-ear um, you know, feature that a lot of people use to keep them stuck in their ear. Personally, I don't like it. I like the new Air, the uh, AirPods 2 that came out, Generation 2, where they don't have that intrusive in-ear tip. So if that's going to be the case with AirPods 3, I prefer people buy it. But since we're talking about reasons why you shouldn't buy it, um, I guess that's one of the reasons. Now, transitioning over to the MacBook Pro, there's a lot of reasons to get the new MacBook Pro. You know, it's it's the first MacBook Pro fleet to have the new chip that Apple, you know, talks about that has been rumored to have much, much better performance. But if you don't want to chuck over the money, I guess the pricing, you know, Apple is just notorious for jacking up price. We don't know what price points these devices are going to be coming into, but you can expect the premium. So if you don't want to, you know, hand over the money, I'd um, I'd recommend you don't get it. There's, there's plenty of other alternatives out there on the market that might not be Apple branded that can have the same, you know, feature packed um, lists that you want that satisfy your needs and come in at a way lower price point. 
speaking about the MacBook Pro, uh, the Mac Mini Pro, my friend here has the Mac Mini, and the only difference between the two is the different ports, maybe a new design that's that's rumored to come out, as well as the new processor. But honestly, the processor, you know, you can maybe talk to this, talk about this a little bit more. But I'd imagine that the uh, processor that's running your normal Mac Mini is just, you know, good enough. Like it, it's more than good enough to handle your needs. You use it for pretty intensive tasks like editing on Final Cut. So you're, you're a power user, and I'd imagine it still holds up. You maybe not want, you maybe might not want to uh, hand over the money for the new MacBook Pro Mini and the new OS um, Monterey again. I think it's just, it's not too different from the Big Sur. So those are the reasons why I personally think you shouldn't get all these new devices. What do you think? So I would say you shouldn't get these new devices and specifically what might launch on, was it Tuesday, I think, um, or Monday. I don't know which day it is again, but uh, I don't think you should get them because to the vast majority out there, they're not going to be power users, and supposedly this launch is about power users. You know, more more ports, SD card slot if we get one, um, just MagSafe coming back in. I guess that's not really power user, um, but just the processor speed and stuff. Most normal people they just go to the store and they'll just say, "I need a new keyboard, I need a new laptop for school." What what's what do you got? And then they have their price range, and that's it. They're not going to be like. I need to edit 8K. What can I do? What can I, what do you have to edit 8K? I need to do this, this specific thing. Um, so if you aren't a power user, um, I think that if what comes out is true, these aren't for you and you should just stick with the normal M1 stuff like the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro M1, the normal ones, um, the older ones. I'd say stick with those. Those are still really good. The battery life is amazing. Like I said, friend had an Air, and he says it gets like 18 plus hours of battery life for just normal, rigorous use. Um, the Mini is solid for me, and I edit off of it, and like a lot of people do currently. Um, yeah, you can't get up to past 16 gigabytes of RAM on it or anything like that, but like when I'm editing, I don't really have a problem with that. It's mainly CPU based anyway. Um, the Pro on the MacBook Pro, the current one, the screen is solid. So for these launch devices, if they come out, I'd say avoid it if your price isn't, the price for you is very like tough. If you're not a professional in any way, that's gonna use a professional work. For the AirPods that are supposed to come out with this event, um, I guess if you already have AirPods Pro, um, unless there's a major, major change, probably don't need uh, AirPods 3, the regular one, but updated AirPods 3, you probably don't need that. Because um, I'm sure what they'll include with AirPods 3 is spatial audio, because that's, I think, only an AirPods Pro feature. Um, they'll probably include spatial audio and, I don't know, maybe a new design, and that's about it. So if you can't see yourself chucking over just because um, you see a new device, but you already have AirPods Pro, you probably won't even need to get. You probably shouldn't get the new AirPods either. Um, I don't know what else... I guess the only thing is if you just have the money and you don't like the touch bar, I guess that's the only reason. But otherwise, there's really no point to buying these launch devices that are coming this coming week. Okay, I think we went a little bit over our lot of time that we wanted to talk about this new October launch. We've been speaking on it for about 20 minutes. We originally had slotted for... 10 but that's fine i think we can go over to the next topic um which 
you know, I wanted to talk about ETH, but I think we can go ahead and talk about Windows first. You have a channel named Next Windows where you kind of go over a lot of um, new updates coming to the Windows. You, you're very, very well versed in the space of Windows. And as everyone knows, Windows 11 just launched. And I wanted you to talk about some of the pros and cons of owning that OS. Um, and yeah, I'm going to give you the floor. Go ahead. So uh, Windows 11, um, you have a channel. It's called Next Windows. Um, and Windows 11 came out, I don't even know what day, October 5th, I think, a Tuesday. Came out um, officially for everybody. Even you buy a laptop, it has it on it probably, hopefully. Um, changes, major changes. You got a new start menu. Actually, before you even go into there, I just want to um, ring off a list of things, and then maybe I'll give you the floor real quick. But mm -hmm. Um, from, from what I've seen, the pros associated with Windows 11 is the beautiful glass architecture design. A lot of people have been saying the bar to dock. Um, Windows 11 taskbar can turn into a dock. The icons can be centered, which helps when Windows 11 on a um, touch-enabled device. Because you got to remember, Windows 11 is being used on a myriad of devices. Um, a lot of people like the return to the widgets. A lot of people are liking the easy accessibility snap layouts and groups people are liking the android apps on windows 11 people enjoy next gen gaming teams for everybody um i use that all the time you know i use windows products all the time so i love the collaboration aspect of windows products some of the cons associated with windows 11 is the accelerated desktop skype people have been noticing that you know skype has been lackluster and missing um, less taskbar, forgotten timeline, fewer layouts, more delays. Uh, collects a lot of privacy and information from users. And sometimes some devices can't even run it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah, those were some of the pros and cons going to Windows 11. And I'm going to give you the floor to talk more in depth about um, these features. Go ahead. Yeah, like I was saying before, uh, new features. We got the highlight feature, at least that I have covered. You're um, muted there, but oh, am I? <laughs> uh, like I said, the highlight features that I have covered um, is the updated start menu. That is a love-hate thing, honestly, because some people just want the traditional where it is. The left side, it looks the same. It should look the same as every other start menu from like 20 years. Um, and then the other high, the other update is supposed to be like um, they move things around. Like if you do notification stuff, they they move things around. Um, and then they also have uh, the widgets area, which personally I hate and a lot of people hate because it just shows a bunch of random ads. It's like a bunch of ads for Microsoft stuff, which nobody seems to want, um, including myself. They're not useful at all, and nobody's making anything for the widgets, so I kind of hate it. Um, and then the taskbar at the very bottom that you have when you open up like Brave Browser or the Microsoft Store or Edge or, you know, Start Menu or anything really, um, you can now, it's, I think it's centered by default now. Um, so that way, if you have like a really big monitor, like I do, you don't have to turn your head here and like kind of snap your neck a little bit. Uh, so that's, that's an update, but you can always push it back to the left if you want, but it'll still look like the updated design. Um, so those are the 
those are the highlights of it. And obviously the design overall, rounded corners like macOS and things like that to feel clean and serene, I guess is what they were saying. Um, but overall, those are the major changes. It's still, to me personally, and I use it a lot, I cover content uh, a lot on it and stuff like that. Um, it still, to me, feels like just a big skin over Windows 10 um, other than the start menu. It just feels like a fat skin over it. Um, which it was originally, honestly, when it was supposed to come out originally, it was supposed to just be an update to Windows 10. And then they said, let's make it a whole new thing. But overall, it's it's fast. I know they've had some gripes with security with like that TPM chip thing. Everyone got like, at least the nerds got upset with TPM this and that. Normal people don't care about that. If they can't update, that's better for them. They don't need to update. Um, they expect you to buy a new laptop to have it on, have Windows 11 instead of upgraded anyway. Um, other than all those things, I mean, it works fine. Your games, for me, work perfectly fine. I'm running AMD. I heard there was a problem with AMD performance for games. I guess I'm not the person to notice the differences, um, but there's a problem with that right now. Um, but overall, it's pretty much, if, you, if you're used to Windows 10 and you're used to, uh, I guess, Windows as a whole, other than the taskbar, really, everything's pretty much, other than the taskbar and start menu, everything's the same as Windows 10. There's really no difference just other than slight UI tweak to make it look a little bit more, less super square and more rounded and comfortable. And that's about it. So you can take it back. Yeah. And, you know, like you mentioned, the differences were minor in your eyes. For a lot of people, it was very minor. I think a lot of people just love the glass um, architecture and design of the new Windows 11. Um, really quick, two, three minutes. What are your major, major gripes with this OS? Um, reasons why you hate it, I guess you can say. Um, I'd say three reasons. Let's keep it simple at three reasons. Three reasons why I'd say I hate it. And I even made a video on this and what I hate about it. I don't remember it too well. Um, like I said, there are the the redesign is subtle it's like surface level stuff um, when you click into more things you see the old stuff from windows 10 still there um, and as you use if anyone has used it and they click into things you'll notice that the old some of the old is still there it kind of feels like they've even they've bloated windows even more you know um so that's another thing and then i guess my final thing is and this is this is something that normal people may not realize, but they might realize um, the browser issue with Windows 11. It's a major, major, major issue. Microsoft seems to think that it was smart that um, before in all the other versions of Windows, when you want to set a default browser, whether you used to use Safari when it was on Windows or, or Firefox or Brave or Chrome, especially Chrome, uh, you used to be able to just hit one button and it just makes it your default browser. Now, when you want to make it a default browser, even if you hit yes, it makes your default browser for just one file type. You have to manually check off every single file type that you want to open with that browser. And it takes you into settings to do that. It doesn't just do it without you seeing anything when you click the button. You have to click on all of it at once. So you can imagine, uh, and this is not just for browser, this is for everything. If you're an editor, photo editor, video editor, and you see all the different photo and video file types, you have to, if you want to make Photoshop or photos or whatever it is your default, 
you have to manually click every single extension you are ever going to open and check it off to be set it to default to Photoshop or whatever. That is the most annoying thing I've ever seen in my life um, for this whole entire, I have no idea why that's the case. If you open up the widgets panel and you click on like a news article, even if your default is Chrome, it takes you into Edge. <laughs> and that's very annoying. So I guess that, that would be it for me. Okay, yeah, I think we, We've kind of touched on everything related to the um, new Windows 11 OS launch, um, some of the things that we hate about it, some of the things that we love about it, the general pros and cons that a lot of people um, using the OS have mentioned online. And so I think we can transition over to the new topic. I kind of want to talk about this, this cryptocurrency that's been kind of making waves um, recently on the, um, just on the, the stock market, a lot of people's portfolios. It's Ethereum. Ethereum and Bitcoin just recently had this massive, massive spike. There's been rumors that Ethereum 2.0 would be coming out in 2022. And, you know, we don't know too much of the technical aspects of Ethereum, but we have been using some of the um, applications of Ethereum, specifically NFTs. We've been kind of uh, very fascinated with the topic of NFTs. We've been kind of interested in the buyer and reseller market of nfts and i've personally been very interested in the concept of staking i don't know too much about leveraging but just the DeFi application of staking ethereum is very fascinating to me i own ethereum mm -hmm. and i thought we'd just spend some time to kind of talk about it um now you've set up an ethereum OpenSea account Mm -hmm. And I'm showing um, that website right now. You mentioned that you were, uh, you're muted there, but but you mentioned that you were um, kind of stopped from creating the account because of they gas. call it so gas. Gas it? fees. About, yeah, gas fees. So first off, tell, tell, tell people what OpenSea is, tell people what an NFT is, and what your experience is in creating an OpenSea account to try to sell some digital artwork. So, uh, well, starting off uh, for what is an NFT, that's something that's still, you know, I'm not a professional in this at all, but that's something that still is confusing to me. It's, it stands for non-fungible token. Yeah, non-fungible token. Uh, I don't know if you have the definition exactly up right now to read off of, um, but like, it's essentially like a digital, according to a lot of people, it's a digital asset, right, that can be utilized sold for various purposes i think i think that's the def general definition of it for normal people um my whole thing with those things is why <laughs> why why would you i'm looking here I, and for those people watching i have a picture up of open seas homepage this guy named uh, this guy named joey camis or camis has a shoe up, a digital shoe going in 360. You can also open it up um, and go to OpenSea's website. You'll see the same thing. Um, and it's a digital shoe floating in space in 360, so it just keeps rotating. And he's put it up for sale, right? He's charging Ethereum for it. The highest offer for it currently is going for 0.6 Ethereum, which is $2,281.32 worth of Ethereum for a digital shoe. 
why he says the collector will receive exclusive access to the 3d file and obj high resolution digital renderings of moon stompers what he calls the shoe original gif and mp4 of the turnable animation rendering people are bidding on this and you can see it if you're watching you can see what i'm looking at here i don't understand why you would want to purchase a digital asset at all even if you want to resell it like what what's the why was this made? I would love to know the whole story behind this whole like subject matter of NFTs. Um, but before you continue in, also for gas fees, gas fees essentially like um, kind of like tax in a way, right? It's not really tax, but it's kind of you can think of it like tax. When you purchase something, a lot of time you got to pay a little extra based on a percentage um, for to buy the thing, sales tax. Um, so gas fees. Uh, it costs a certain amount of Ethereum gas to buy an object or buy one of these things. Um, and so that's for gas right there. So it's just an interesting thing for me. So what do you think about this whole craze? Yeah, it's also very interesting to me, you know, um, as an investor of cryptocurrency, as an investor of Ethereum, the whole ETH 2.0 launch, um, you know, transitioning from a proof of work network architecture to a proof of stake network architecture. Mm -hmm. If you guys want to know the ins and outs of what that exactly means, I'd, I'd recommend Googling it. It's kind of really, really difficult to explain in a short period of time. But basically, it's a an event that a lot of people that own Ethereum have been waiting for. And that's expected to launch in 2022. So it could it could potentially rise the, the um, value of Ethereum by an exponential amount hmm. now personally i'm really interested in nfts obviously it's something that has caught my interest um but one specific thing that i'm interested in is this thing called staking and if you don't know exactly what staking is is basically the process of locking up an amount of ethereum the native cryptocurrency of the ethereum blockchain for a specified period of time in order to contribute to the security of the blockchain and then you earn network rewards so it's almost if you've ever been investing you've ever invested money into a traditional stock it's almost think of it like getting interest or dividends on a stock that you hold so if you hold a stock that pays out a dividend if you hold a realty stock typically they'll pay monthly right some stocks will pay three times uh, once every every three months some will pay um once every six months some will pay once a year but let's say you hold a, a stock that pays monthly dividends well you hold it for a month you get rewarded and you get a dividend same thing like staking so the thing is is that a lot of people trade cryptocurrencies on Robinhood just because of its ease of use and they don't have that feature on Robinhood yet the Robinhood founder has been saying that this feature is soon to come and that Robinhood wallets just released on Robinhood is currently a long wait list. I'm like at spot 248,000. Mm -hmm. But once Robinhood wallets has been fully phased in and everybody that wants to get a Robinhood wallets account can have one for their cryptocurrencies, then staking will start to, to launch. Now, with staking, you need like 34 Ethereum to stake, but there's something called a staking pool that you can join and gain interest on your ETH that you have, that you have. If you buy any type of cryptocurrency through um, what is called 
Coinbase, which is a um, basically like uh, an exchange where you buy and sell cryptocurrencies, you can stake on that exchange. And it's just been such a fascinating concept to me because, man, if you have like three or four ETH, you could be making like, obviously the rates change and as Ethereum goes up, you get more money, but you can be making like 30, 40, $50, $55 for holding three Ethereum, um, $55 a month. Think about how much that is when you compare it to dividends that pay out for real estate companies. That's a lot of money, man. That could really quickly add up. And as Ethereum's price goes up, the money that you'll be making from staking goes up as well. So it's just such an attractive, um, interesting element of Ethereum. And yeah, man, this this NFT craze has just been uh, going crazy. It's been really interesting to, to watch this develop. It's a new a new technology, relatively new technology that's kind of been emergent. And um, since, you know, me me and my friend here love technology, it's just been kind of interesting watching it. We wanted to talk on it a little bit, you know? Um, yeah, that was just basically my overall, you know, thoughts on Ethereum. I kind of want to just lightly touch on the subject. It's something that I'm incredibly interested in. And um, I just want to put my two cents in there. What do you think? Yeah, it's... It's incredibly interesting to me. I wish I could understand it better, right? Um, and I wish I wish someone was out there. I'm sure someone is that could explain. Like I'm on Ethereum's website here, and they have a whole document, like a whole bunch of documents, their docs tab that tells you everything, all the definitions of everything related to Ethereum. They have gas nodes, clients, networks, consensus mechanisms. Uh, intro web 2 web 3 all this stuff right um heck even when i was typing in um staking proof of stake like when you said it they were like we recommend you look at trans you look at the document for transactions and something else first like there's so much baked into this um that it's hard for me to like understand because everything i read is just way beyond anything that i understand still uh, I wish someone would break it down more so I can, and anybody could just be like, oh, this is what that means. Because there's a lot into all of this. And I'm hearing, this is like a final thing. Um, I'm hearing a lot of talk about something about metaverse and all that stuff. Facebook isn't doing something with it. A bunch of coming upcoming cryptos are doing stuff with it. NFTs related to metaverse, something like, I don't even know what that means, like where that came from. But that'll probably be another show. Um there's a lot to all of this and I wish I could understand it more. Yeah. And to add on to that, you know, you see a lot of banks, uh, there's just aside from the, just the technical aspects of cryptocurrencies, there's a lot of just regulatory aspects of cryptocurrencies. Um, regulators trying to find a way to regulate this, if they're going to green light it. There's also the element of, you know, all these traditional banking institutions starting to adopt these, um, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin um, you know, a lot of people are saying comparing Bitcoin to gold and how it's just this very um, reliable means of, of storing assets and um, the value doesn't fluctuate crazily, at least with Bitcoin. Obviously, you'll see it. It's in this introduction. It's in this introductory introduction phase. So you'll see these this volatility. But all in all, it's a man. It's a pretty solid um asset you know asset class and 
like you mentioned, you know, I would love to get more int- uh, information on this, but yeah, that kind of, you know, concludes what we think and our thoughts are on Ethereum, the new Ethereum 2.0 that's going to be recently relaun- uh, launching here in 2022, as well as this new NFT craze that's going on in the market. I also wanted to spend a quick 10 minutes. I know I didn't mention this in the beginning of the podcast, but um, sorry about that. I, I do want to spend a quick 10 minutes on talking about fitness trackers. Um, really quickly, uh, I have this article pulled up here, and I can I can send it to you. you probably mm-hmm. won't even need to pull up the article. Mm-hmm. You could probably just pull up images of this. So um, as I'm talking, people will know what I'm talking about. But basically, I have this fitness tracker called the Amazebit Band Five, and I really love this little product. It's incredible. It's helped me with my workout plans. It's helped me a lot, and I kind of wanted to touch on. Uh, this exact fitness tracker as well as um, the new launch of the new Amazebit Band 6 that's rumored to launch here soon. So let me go into it real quick. So for those of you that are interested in the Amazebit Band 6, there hasn't been an official launch date. Um, The Xiaomi Mi Band, which a lot of people are familiar with, and the Amazebit Amazefit Band, are two competing brands, but they're actually produced by the same company called Zep Health. And in the past, the cycle has been for the newest version of Xiaomi to launch first, followed by several months later, a better Amazebit, Amazefit version to launch. But Xiaomi, Band, Z, Xiaomi Mi Band 6 is expected in most geographic uh, areas to be launched by the end of April. Zep Health has not provided an expected date for the sister product that Maze Fit, which I own. Both series are excellent in values at the price point. Zep Health has shipped more than 30 million smartwatches and fitness bands in 2020. And this this little fitness tracker, you can get these for like 30, 40 bucks. They're incredibly efficient. They're amazing. I have the Zep Health app. And I kind of want to talk about why I love this product, reasons why you should get this product, and um, what we should expect to see with the Amazebit Band 6. So let me get into it. Mm-hmm. And I'm showing the web page for those of you watching as you see. Okay. So let's talk about the um, fitness tracking and features. So as you guys know, the Amazebit Band 5 has sleep tracking and stress monitoring. Um I found that the sleep tracking is actually incredibly accurate. It'll tell you the deep sleep that you've gotten as well as the light sleep and REM. Um, I typically try to get more than an hour of deep sleep into my normal sleep schedule. It's uh, It'll tell you, you know, based on your heart rate and a bunch of analytical information, what stage of sleep you're in throughout the night. It's incredibly efficient. It works really, really well. As you know, the Amazebit Band 5 has blood oxygen reading, SpO2. This is a feature that you see in only premium um, fitness trackers, but apparently this fitness tracker has it. And I have used it before. It works really well. What One thing that I don't like is the fact that the blood oxygen readings aren't continuous. It's something that you actually have to go inside the app and hold your hand still, and then it'll read your blood oxygen levels. It's not like it's running in the background continuously. Um, the heart rate monitor does do that. It runs in the background continuously. And when you're going out for a workout, it'll start ramping up the readings. So the readings will start being taken at a much higher frequency. 
and I found them to be incredibly accurate. Now, I've had this band for many, many months, and I can give a really in-depth review because I've had this band for so long, and it's so durable that it hasn't caused me too many problems. It's gotten to a point where the battery health is not nearly as good. I do have to charge this on a very continuous basis. It'll probably last me two days or maybe three days at max. This product, the band, is actually supposed to last you your battery health for more than 15 days. But now, after months of having having it, um, it can go for maybe two, three days. But honestly, I do charge it every single day. At night when I go to sleep, I charge it. It only takes a couple minutes, and then I put it on for my sleep tracking at night. Um, it does have uh, Alexa support, and it can tell you notifications like when you're getting a call, when you're getting any new notifications on your phone. It can ping up on your um, actual watch. Again, the battery life is excellent when I first got it. And it's a cr it's a crazy little band. Um, I've seen a lot of comments on my hidden features of the Amazebit Band 5 that a lot of people have, have been commenting on, and I kind of want to touch on some of them. I do want to reiterate that this band does not have GPS support. It does not have GPS support. It relies on the GPS on your phone whenever you go for a run. And um, it is water resistant. I don't recommend you swimming with this device. I don't know if it can accurately count the, the laps, but I'd imagine it can. Does not have GPS support. I don't think that the Amazebit Band 6 will have any form of GPS support when, when, you know, uh, when that comes out. And just incredible, incredible fitness tracker. I mean, I really love this product. It's incredibly cheap. I've had the Mi Band series. Um, I've had like three, four years of the Mi Band series, and I've gone and transitioned to the Amazfit because I truly believe that Amazfit is much better than the Mi Band. And that's not a secret. You know, everywhere online says that the Amazfit series is superior um, because it comes at a, at, a, at a later release date and they jam pack it with features that might not exist on the Mi Band, um, like SPO2 blood oxygen readings. So the Mi, the Mi Band is rumored to launch this April, and who knows? Who knows what's, you know, what could happen? Who knows um, when these release dates are going to come or, 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 you know, when, what features they're going to be packed with, but... You know, my friend here ha does have experience using smartwatches. What do you think about your smartwatch? What do you think of smartwatches in today's, um, you know, world? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Talk to me. So for my experience with smartwatches, um, I have an older one. I have a lot of, technically, at this point, older smartwatches, right? Um, this one is the, uh, the Galaxy Gear S3 smartwatch, and it also does, you know, a lot of the features, if it'll even focus... It has a lot of the features um, that, other than less PO2 and stuff, because it's an older watch, that um, like other smart watches do. Um, they didn't really necessarily target this specific watch to uh, what's it called to like fitness. At least at the time, now they are it's from Samsung. Um, you take they, that watch out on your workouts and runs? Not this one. I have a different watch. I don't even know where it is right now. Not this specific one. I have a the Galaxy Watch Active 2 that has all of those things in it. You know, fitness watch, uh, tracking and all that stuff in it too. Even, um, God, what is that other feature um, that Apple has for the on the side of their watch? It has the same thing. Um, 
And so EKG, there you go. EKG. Yeah. EKG. It has that too, but I think they said in the US it's not approved, but in like other countries, health organizations, they've approved it so they can enable it in other countries. Um, I think it was approved now actually because it works for me. Uh, so like it has all those features. It's also water resistant and things like that. Obviously for the Mi Band and for the Amaze Fit, the price is the big thing. Because these other these ones here from Samsung's are no are no joke. These are the cost of AirPods. These are like one hundred and fifty plus dollars, two hundred dollars, you know, because they're supposed to be for style as well as uh, fitness, like all in one. Whereas these are just for fitness. And then because it's Samsung, they're trying to price it kind of like Apple um, would price things. So like, I have them. I've had them for a while for smartwatches. What I like about them is that obviously the main thing I do with them, I don't do all the smart features really. I just check my notifications if someone's calling me on a quick run or a walk or exercise i just glance real quick sometimes i change the music if i don't know where my headphones are for a second sometimes i just grab my uh watch and i just look real quick and i'm like oh who's calling and i just answer real quick just kind of like the weird way like that um battery life is about battery life for the samsung watch is at least my active too i don't know about this one anymore um it's pretty solid like it's like the same three i get like three days on battery life just like you do um, for yours, obviously yours started off a lot more battery life, but like for yours, the price is so low, it doesn't really matter too much, you know, but for a more expensive watch, uh, if the, if the thing cannot last even a day when it normally lasts longer than that, that's, that's strugglesome. My watches, they last a long time. Um, I know my mom has an Apple watch. I think that lasts roughly like a day or two on battery life. And she does every, she does more than me on some of our watches. Um, so overall, I think for smartwatches, it's your price preference and what your use of use use cases. Um, if if you have money to blow, <laughs> like you can get the flagship stuff like Samsung and even Amazfit has like Amaze has like the top of the line stuff, the like actual smartwatch that look like normal watches. Uh, you can get those. Otherwise, honestly, Samsung has like Gear Fit or whatever they call it, Fit watches, or even I. I wouldn't even get Samsung's Fit Watch. I'd just say get like a Mi Band or a Maze Fit, depending on how you feel about Chinese watches, you know how it is around here nowadays. Um, these are fine to me. Even Wise sells something similar to the um, Amaze Fit. Like Wise, the company that sells security cameras, sells fitness watches that look exactly the same and do pretty much the exact same things for the same price. <laughs> so you can look around and you can pretty much always get a smartwatch no matter where you look. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, if I had to give a smartwatch recommendation, if you're, you know, looking for best bang for your buck and you're looking for something that just has a lot of features that are jam packed at a really, really low price point, I'm talking like dirt cheap, I'd go for the Macefit. Hmm. Macefit Band series is really good. I definitely want to check out the Macefit BIP series, the BIP Pro, all the individual um, watches. And, you know, if, if I do ever want to come in at a different price point, I'd absolutely consider the new Apple Watch um, series that just recently launched. So, yeah, that pretty much concludes the smartwatch section of this podcast. I just thought I'd just tack it on to, um, you know, you know, talk about it. I really love the product and I just want to talk more about it. But I think that concludes everything that we want to talk about. Any final um, departing words? No, just, uh, I guess all the products and stuff we've talked about, just find your price point <laughs> because there's a lot of things for all price points. A lot of them tend to do the same thing. 
Uh, some may be better than others, but like a price point is everything. Wise Band is what it's called. It's $24.99. It looks just like the Amaze Fit. <laughs> um, that looks like a solid, I don't know how good it is. That looks like a solid choice. Your Band looks like a solid choice. You want to go more expensive for this specific topic of watches, smartwatches. Got the Apple Watch. You got the Samsung line now, you know. You got price points for all things now, so you, you can never be really missed out. And then you got Fitbit, which, yeah, it's Fitbit. So, yeah, maybe next podcast section we can talk more about the Wise Band because um, I, I'm an avid user of Wise products. I have their um, cameras, their security cameras, are really, really cheap security cameras, mm -hmm. and to this day they still work. And I've had them for over a year. Um, I know you own a lot of Wise products mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah. And uh, they're really durable, really good. I have nothing but good things to say about Wise products. But, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy the podcast today. If you guys are watching the individual video segments that have been chopped up on YouTube, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Make sure you guys um, go over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. And if you um, are listening to the podcast, make sure you guys subscribe, give a, give a review, recommendation, maybe give us a five-star. Um, and, yeah, that pretty much concludes it concludes everything anything else you want to say final words to conclude this podcast no i think i'm good i think i'm good there you have it it's been aqua black x and quaku enjoy everybody take care happy weekend yep.